Hello and welcome along to G'day GA. This is like we promised you last week, uh, a very special episode of, of G'day GA. First up, I'm I'm joined by our regular co-host, John Heenan. Welcome along, John. Thanks, Liam. Also by our familiar voice, the ladies love him, Sean O'Leary. <laughs> Thanks, Liam. And special guest this evening, we have Dara Blake from Clare. Thanks for joining us, Dara. Thanks, Liam. But we promised you last week we're going to have a podcast with a twist. And this podcast with a twist is we have a live music session with a young aspiring band known as Alma Road. <laughs> so without further ado, they're going to open for us tonight with Mr. Brightside. Take it away, lads. Destiny is 
Right, lads, that was great. Um, great to have you on board with us tonight. And stay put there now. We have a, get you for another couple of songs shortly. So first up, we're going to just go through some, some tweets and some emails that we've got in. First up, I'll go with the tweets, Giggles. I know you have some something to read out. You haven't told me what it is yet, but I'll, I'll start with the tweets. Uh, first tweet we got in was from um, Collins Conley. He's a long-time listener. Second-time tweeter, I think. Um, great episode. Really enjoyed the points of view on cynical play. Do you really think Gooch has not already benefited benefit from his high profile? No, he actually responded back to, to Collins and I said, are you talking to me or are you talking to the two boys? Because I think I, I might have raised a couple of those points. But uh, I put it to John and Shawnee and maybe also to you, Dara. Do you think he had maybe benefited enough from his high profile? It's going ahead actually tomorrow night. But uh, So it's Collins kind of talking there around... He has benefited enough, so he shouldn't have the podcast, or he shouldn't have the the podcast. He shouldn't have the the testimonial. Correct. Oh yeah, I know. Look, no guy can benefit enough from their own profile. Like uh, we, but we went into that debate last week, so we won't go. Again. Okay. I disagree with Collins. But yeah, well, like it's very hard. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't like this. In fairness to whoever he is, he probably doesn't know the sacrifices um, the Gooch has put into his career either. So you can't really quantify whether he's benefited from enough from the, from the G already. So I say. I agree with John and Shawnee from last week and I think he's dead right to go for it and um, as Peter Crouch famously said when he was asked what would you be if you wouldn't be a footballer and he said he'd be single so I think (laughs) (laughs) he said he'd be a virgin (laughs) (laughs) which could go with that as well okay there you go on that one Collins make it out what you will we also got a tweet in from Keith Stevens from the Juris GA Club uh, in Dublin I think they tweeted us last a few weeks ago they're in the Division 7 football final or sorry Division 8 but they actually won it um, and they're into Division 6 next year, Division six next year sorry, or Division 7 he said at EGA we did it so yeah. well well done to all in uh, the Jurors GA club we also got a tweet in from uh, Geelong G- Gales GA telling everyone in the official GA Twitter account to have a listen to all things GA on at GA so thanks very much Geelong we also got a tweet in from uh, our own co-host Johnny Heenan he tweeted uh, an article at the Hogan Stand website which referenced Kevin McMahon agrees with giggles in terms he thought he was uh, Lee Keegan was a genius for throwing a GPS there you go there you go yeah. the, 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 the opponent playing against him thought it was a great idea so I guess I've been proven right again yeah, you're <laughs> always right giggles as we, as, as, as we all know fair enough endorsement yeah. Yeah. I, I've got an email in actually from a former Galway inter-county footballer Conor Costello uh, he says yeah, long time listener first time caller uh, he just liked to say, lads, first comment, great podcast, love all the content, but I don't appreciate the abuse sometimes football gets as a sport, especially in reference to Liam's comment around the state games. One poor performance di- didn't represent the whole standard of football there. What would you know, Liam, about football? You're from Kilkenny. So, uh, mm. don't know, I suppose you got to answer that one back there, Liam. It was a bit of a stinger in it. Yeah, no, th- thanks for getting in touch with us, uh, Connor. Um, <laughs> no, look, I think the point I was making the last day was, I suppose, the comparison between the standard of the ladies' football. I've got another men's footballer beside me and Dara. He was also playing, so to be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I think in terms of entertainment purposes and, like, how exciting that game was, was amazing. I think we all agreed on that in the podcast last week because I think you did yourself. We put the ladies' football in terms of standard at number one over the three codes and we put that above hurling as well um in terms of how good that was and we all kind of said that each one of those would walk on to an inter-county team that played for victoria or close or close enough for most of them so i suppose that was my reference point for it. fair point that yeah reference in the semi-final that was not i suppose nil all after 20 minutes may might have been an unfair reference but from what we've seen i, I would i would stand by that the ladies football relatively speaking was a better standard than the men's football and yeah i know men's football does get beat up a bit from time to time 
But from what we've seen, I'd, I'd rather go out and watch that ladies' match again than watch any of the men's games I saw over in the state games. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I, I, I think we, we probably focused and actually only saw as spectators probably the lads' semi-final, which was probably the worst game of the tournament, called yeah. the spade a spade. But you had two very good victories as well, Dara, and actually the football final itself was a great game. So I, thi- I think you know the ladies' final, it was a superb game, and the weather was absolutely perfect. There wasn't a puff of wind out there, and, and you know that game... That there was no score after 20 minutes you know there was a big wind there that night and we were kind of playing against the wind and we were happy enough to be nil all after 20 minutes and that was our kind of game plan so listen I, I think more than more than hurling um, the wind plays a huge effort especially with scores and stuff like that you can yeah. score from long distance yeah. you know John was talking about scoring from 90 yards there <laughs> the last day but um, you know I think in football it makes a huge huge difference um, you know, playing with the wind, playing against the wind. Yeah, and I suppose yeah, I think they're all fair points. And just on Conor Costa, what was you know from Kilkenny? Um, did play minor football for Kilkenny. Oh, uh, was part of a team that bet loud in the Leinster Minor Football Championship back in two thousand and five. So what was that standard like? Yeah, that was good standard. First time uh, Kilkenny team had won a minor match in forty years. And you were part of that. I was part of that team, and we were in the Ireland final program in two thousand and five. Um, as history makers so put that to Conor Costello and get back in touch with me there <laughs> and he might have been down in Faulkner Park last night kicked five goals in the NFL <laughs> line, <so laughs> that we won. That's, a, that's another dedicated episode on that match but uh, that's not on the agenda at all. no I know but I like that needs to be mentioned but yeah thanks very much for, for getting in touch with us um, Conor and I know you do listen to the podcast but please please keep that feedback coming in. we want to hear more of it so um we were very lucky to be joined on the line. I recorded an interview with, with Tom Murphy from the PRO from Western Australia GA. Tom came on the show uh, a few weeks ago in the build-up to the state games. But we had him back on again because there was a, an underage blitz on in Perth at the weekend. The Compromise Rules Blitz, where the Western Australia Gaelic Football Academy had a team and they played in the Subiaco Stadium, which would be the equivalent of Crow Park in Perth. Mm-hmm. And it was a massive thing... T- um, that they organise and to have it, they have an underage academy in part for the Gaelic Games and I think it's a, it's a huge testament to Western Australia and the work they're doing with our underage uh, kids over there so I'd like you to have a listen to this interview that I did with Tom uh, and then we'll come back and we'll have a have a chat with Dara but um, yeah so we'll have a listen to the interview with Tom Travelling in a fight come Trailhead full of zombies. I met a strange lady, she made me nervous. She took me in and gave me breakfast. And she said, Do you come from a land down under? A women go and men wonder. Delighted to be joined on the line by Tom Murphy, the PRO of Western Australia uh, GA. We had Tom on the line there a few weeks ago before the Australasian Games. Great to have you back on, Tom. Thanks for having me, Liam. Delighted to be here. Yeah, and Tom, obviously we had John for for the state games and we might just touch on, on that quickly, just how you're recovering after that amazing games. We obviously covered it in depth on on last week's podcast, but um I know yourself and your whole committee there, you put in a, in a massive effort and in, on reflection, how, how how do you think the games went? I think they were super games um, and if I suppose 
from Western Australia point of view, I think they we could nearly argue they they were the the best games ever, best Australian games ever. Um, we had an awful lot of positive feedback from the games. And um, the following week, I was receiving messages from all over Perth and Australia and wider field, looking for photographs, looking for videos of the games, looking to where children can get involved with the junior academy or get involved with the minors and how they can play Gaelic games in Western Australia. So the buzz was just brilliant afterwards and allied with the presidential visit as well on Sunday on championship finals day was absolutely brilliant. And I suppose we spoke about in the interview we did a few weeks ago about that presidential visit and I suppose the layer of complexity that that was adding to the state games this year. How did that end up for you on the day? Obviously I was there, I saw you were kind of chaperoning President Michael D. Higgins and and his wife Sabina. But in terms of the logistics of it, how did it all play out in the day? It looked to go very smooth from my viewing, but how did you find it on, in that hands-on environment? It did. It went off very well. I mean, we did an awful lot of work and effort put in. Um, all the volunteers um, in, in, in GAWA on the day, and then also our secretary, Nulag Chivartan, and myself and Nulag worked very closely together with the organisation of the state games and the president's presidential visits to, to integrate the president's presidential visit within the state games on the Sunday. The feedback from the president and his staff, just they, they've used the words magnificent to describe the organization of Western Australia GA for the presidential visit and how the visit went off. And that President Higgins and Mrs. Higgins had a ball of a day, they had an absolute ball on Sunday. And the president, as I said before, the president used the words magnificent to describe his visit to Tom Bateman on the Sunday. So it's brilliant to hear that. Yeah, I don't think you can get a better endorsement from that. I think from being there, you could see on the day that both of them just had a smile from ear to ear, I think, the whole day. Obviously, there was they, there was a great standard of the games, and we talked about that last week on the podcast, how good they all went down. But I think everyone was just kind of in good spirits, even who came along to see, see them. You know, there was just smiles all around. We did, and um, it, it was estimated 2,000 people were in Bateman on the Sunday. And, you know, the football final went off very well. It was a great final between Western Australia and New South Wales. Unfortunately, WA didn't win it. Then you, the ladies' football final with Victoria and Western Australia. You saw that the first time, I'd say, it's ever happened in Australasia. Even maybe ever in the world it's happened. And that it went to extra time, it went to extra, extra time, and then it went to goal and score. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, during that game, it was the first time I've ever gotten stick off the president of the GEA and the president of Ireland because I was going out to the referees saying, what's what's going on now? What's going to happen um, with the extra, extra time and the golden score and going back? And, and both presidents were giving me a bit of stick over that. And, you know, and we were joking with President Higgins, you know, that we weren't going to let him out of Western Australia for the rest of his state visit because, because of the, the matches going on. But he was delighted with it. And thought it was brilliant. He specifically requested to see the ladies' football final in full. So look, we couldn't have we couldn't have written what what happened on Sunday. And I think, apart from President Higgins, the whole place you were there. You, all the Victoria hurlers and footballers were there supporting Victoria team. The Western Australia hurlers and footballers were there supporting Western Australia. So it was a great match for everyone to be involved. And then we had a humdinger of a hurling final as well in yeah. between New South Wales and Western Australia. So. The presidential visit was brilliant, the state games was brilliant, and the Sunday championship finals days. I mean, what a day. I don't think I, I certainly won't ever forget what happened that day. No, I think yeah, I think it must be very special for you for you, Tom. I saw you in action, like I said, and I think yeah, it was just a, a great honour to have that, I suppose, responsibility of looking after the president for the day. 
Um, and I think just the, the whole day went off without a hitch, and it's a credit to yourselves in, in Western Australia, G. And to make that history for the first time a president of Ireland attended, I suppose, an overseas exhibition of GEA games, along with the president of the GEA, it's a huge testament that you pulled that off and pulled it off in such a, in such a great way. Yeah, and it, it was it, look, it went off very well, but it was down to a lot of hard work by people behind the scenes within GA in Western Australia. All the volunteers in a day, you would have seen them. Um, our junior academy formed the guard of honour. Our minors and our clubs, um, also you know, I have to acknowledge those, but also, um, thank them and thank the Department of Foreign Affairs in Dublin, the Irish Embassy in Canberra, our consul here in Perth, Marty Cavanagh, and his staff in the Irish Consulate. And just everybody who, who helped us along the way, because it, it was it was a brilliant day and it went off very well. And as I say, the president, the president used the word magnificent to describe his visit to Bateman. His staff were really happy. Everyone from security to um, our volunteers on the day and everyone else was, was just it, they were buzzing after the visit. So it couldn't have, it couldn't have gone more um, couldn't have gone more well. Um, I certainly won't forget it. I've, I've, I, I was, as I say, I was getting messages and phone calls and, um, and photographs. We made the papers back in Ireland, the Irish Times, the Irish Independent. It was picked up by the Gosling's Examiner here. It was published last week, just gone. So there's a couple of stuff that I, I'll, I'll go through when everything is calmed down. And just to record the day, we do have video clips and that we put that up on the, um, on the GAWA Facebook page. Um, it's up on the presidential Facebook page as well if anybody wants to have a look at it. But there will be a few things that I'll do just to record the event because I, I won't forget and I think the the state games, the Australasian Championships, the compromise rules in Subiaco and the international rules coming here, it's it's I, I don't think you you'll never see the events of of October and November, certainly October. 2017. I don't know if you'll ever see them repeated again in no. Western Australia. No, definitely a very special time for for GA in Western Australia, and obviously we spoke about that was a history making event with the president of Ireland being there and the, and the president of the GA. But obviously, I understand um, Tommy had some more history was made last weekend in uh, in part in the in the Tubiaco in the main stadium in part where we had an under 12s compromise rules competition with the Western Australia Gaelic Games team under 12s participating in a competition with 12 other teams is that correct that's right um you know you may be aware Liam, the um ga here in western australia we have four arms we have hurling and, and football and a minor board and a junior academy or the gaelic games junior academy western australia the, the junior academy have been very proactive in trying to attract new players and um, to take up hurling and football they've uh, brought in alliances um and streams with the the all the GA clubs here in, in WA. So one of the major, I suppose, issues that was coming up was that we children could train all year, but they had nothing, for the want of a better word, to look forward to. So the idea was pitched to the executive a couple of months ago, whereby a compromise rules tournament would be organised against AFL, against other junior AFL clubs and the junior academy. And it would be held in Domain Stadium. Now, Domain Stadium, as anybody familiar with the stadium will know, is the headquarters of Australian rules football in Western Australia. The Dockers and the Eagles play their home games there. It's a forty to fifty thousand seater stadium, and this would be, I suppose, the 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 key 
to attracting in AFL teams and also to help promote the Gaelic Games Junior Academy in Western Australia, that this is the opportunity for kids to play in the main stadium, to play at the home of their stars and, and their favourite players. So, the of course, the executive, they came to us and they asked us about this and they asked for help, and we, we said, sure, no problem. The Junior Academy went away and they organised this. And then last Sunday, um, 12 AFL teams plus a Junior Academy team at under 12 level played a compromise rule splits for the whole day for the Jim Steins Memorial Cup. And as you know, you know the um, legacy um, the positivity and the legend that Jim Stein was. And we were very grateful that the Jim, Stein's, Jim Steins Foundation and Jim's, Jim's wife, Samantha, gave their blessing um, to naming the cup and were in fact very delighted and very honoured. That was that, yeah. Um, yeah, Jim Steins is that, obviously a, a massive, uh, massive legacy here in Victoria with AFL, but it's obviously, I suppose, Australia wide, and it's obviously touched in Western Australia as well. Um, I think that's a ma- it was a massive thing that it was named after him. It was gr- it's great for the under twelves, I suppose, to especially the under twelve getting football players to have Jim Steins as a, I suppose, a role model as to what you can be as an Irish person playing getting football and, and a, becoming a pr- professional AFL player. Yes, and it was it was um, I suppose linked the it would link the AFL and it would link the GA. And um, um, Jim Jim came out from Ireland, and you know his his legacy is a Brownlow medalist, and the the great things he did on the field and off the field with his own club in Melbourne. So, um, so we were delighted that um, um, Jim's family gave their blessing to having his name attached to the cup. So, the blitz took place last Sunday. 12 AFL teams, um, one junior academy team at under 12 level, 390 players. Um, the the game the blitz was opened by the honorary consul to Western Australia, Marty Cavanaugh, who was the patron of the academy, and it was just a fantastic day. We had AFL clubs take part from north to the river in Perth, from south to the river, so as far north as Sorrento and as far south as Bibra Lake. So the whole the whole Perth metro area was covered in terms of the clubs. Um, the blitz started at 8.30 a.m. It finished at, it, it actually ran over and it finished at about half four with the final. But it was it was a super day. Um, 12 minute halves and then six minutes for a break at half time. Um, and then four pools, pool A to D, and played on four pitches in the main stadium itself. Yeah, well, I, actually so, saw, I actually saw, you sent me through a photograph of what the main stadium looked like. Um, with the Gaelic football or, or goals on the main stadium, it was amazing seeing those goals on the pitch set up for a juvenile game. So we've often seen, I suppose, the the goal set up for the compromise rules that's played in Australia every couple of years. But to see the small goal set up and to see four different pitches was was a great sight to see. Kind of, a, I think it's a massive moment that obviously there's so much Irish here and so much Irish in Western Australia. But the fact now that there is enough children of expats to form an under 12 Gaelic football team in Western Australia and to play in the Blitz although it was compromise rules I think it's a, mm. it's always been spoken about that eventually you know we'll have you know children of expats playing our games on the, in the country mm. that they were born but to see that realised I think is, 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 is a massive turning point for the GEA I think to have potentially homegrown players in, in countries like Australia yeah, and you know the junior academy is over 120 players from under six up to under 12, um, but and they they're playing at an under 10 level. They're playing uh, compromise rules matches against 
AFL teams and beating them. Um, our under 10s had a great win um, two weeks ago. But I suppose, as you say, it's it's a way the AFL were delighted to get involved. And, and you know, the, the, the academy, when they went out and looking for teams, were overrun. Um, with teams trying to get in, they had to hold, they had to cut it off at twelve. Um, but people, teams have even come to them and expressed an interest to play in the Blitz next year. But it is for most of those kids, they're going to be, they're going to spend their lives in Australia, or at least they're going to be reared in Australia. And um, there is a pathway in AFL, but this certainly is, as you said, a turning point for GA in Western Australia, and I would say as well in in. In Australia and New Zealand, there is a, an academy in Queensland and in Victoria you have Kids GA Melbourne. So this is be something you know that Western Australia have led, but it's something that you know the wider GA GA family within Australia can look to as a way of promoting our games. Because at the end of the day, Liam, we are a minority sport in Australia. Um, Kids love playing sport. Gaelic football, in particular, is a sport you can bring across the world. And if we can, we can align AFL and GA and have our kids out playing. Well, then you know it's brilliant for both codes. And it will, if it starts out at under twelve, you can go to under ten, under eight, under six, and then go back. Once those kids who played last Sunday at under twelve get too old for that well why can't you push it then to under 14 to under 16 and then you lead them into the minors so western australia had had two minor teams at the australian games victoria had a minor team this is all to bring the blitz will be used as a way to bring to provide a pathway to those kids because um i don't know about in victoria but in western australia we have a gap between under 12 and minor so it's trying to fill that gap how would we go about doing it in the context of being a minority sport in Australia? And the compromise rule blitz was a fantastic idea by our junior academy. It was a fantastic organisation last Sunday and, and fantastic, you know, the way they pulled it off. So it is a turning point and it could be an absolutely solid foundation to um, get kids, you know, playing underage and then bring them through a teenage level into minor and then feed them into the clubs. And why not have... Like at home, why not have an under-17 championship, um, under-21 championship, and then play them into senior? Yeah, so brilliant. I, I think I think it would be amazing if we can get to the point. Maybe it might be, I suppose, maybe five or six years time. Maybe given that's where the under-12 is, the I suppose the oldest grade at the moment. But to have mm. a minor team, which is full of players, I suppose, who have been reared in Australia. Not necessarily, don't all, all have to be children of expats, but yeah. the majority are likely to be children of expats if they're still here in five or six years' time. I think that yeah. would be a really, really special to have a minor team fulfilled by um, by those by those players. So it's a, it's a very, very exciting time in GA in Australia. And obviously, as things start to pick up in Ireland and people start to look towards home, you wonder what effect that will have. But at the moment, it is, it is, I suppose, very strong. It's probably the strongest GA has ever been in, in Australia. I know it's definitely mm. the strongest it's been in here in Victoria. And I know Western Australia went through a, a massive, I suppose, mining boom. And we had, I once said, you had a number of hurling teams, more than what you have now. But you still have a very, very strong base of the GA in Western Australia. And, and I think you've really stabilised. And, and the academy securing that future, I think, is, is going to be a massive thing going forward. Yeah, and you know the academy. The academy, I suppose, has led the way in many respects in underage GA in Australia because they were founded in two thousand and twelve, 
They were the first uh, junior academy of, of its kind in Australia, um, and they have just grown year on year. So to to um, I suppose they they be the foundation for GA in Western Australia, and they're you know t- as you said to bring players to our Western Australia minor teams were nearly the majority were all Australian Australian or Indigenous. Maybe it's the same for Victoria. But can you imagine if you had those players playing at under twelve in the main stadium last Sunday? They come through the ranks and play all the way up and then come into a minor team um, representing Western Australia. And also, you know, for the for the for the kids who were playing for the junior AFL clubs as well, that they can see, you know, they can see that well, this is a pattern, you know, maybe something it's it's a, a game I can represent my state at a minor level. And they can also play, you know, under 14, under 16, minor level, whatever the case may be. So it is historic. It's the first time this has ever happened. Um, in Australia, and you know, it was there. There was plenty of recording and photographs and everything done about it last week. So, as you say, it will be a turning point for GEA and also something for other international units and for the rest of Australia and New Zealand to work on as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely an example and a model for for Gaelic games around the world to follow. And mm. I suppose, obviously, we've got coming up. We'll be covering this in, in, in upcoming podcasts. We have the international rules series between Ireland and Australia is taking part in November. We have the first test in Adelaide on the, I believe the 11th of November, followed by the second test, which is actually in part in the main stadium on the 18th of November. And I believe Tom, that the under 12 getting football team part of the academy will be playing at half time in that game. Is that correct? They will. And they, this is the second time the junior academy have been here. They, they played in 2014 um, at half time as well. Um, I was at that game between Ireland and Australia in the main stadium. Now I wasn't. I was there as a private citizen, so to speak. But they will also play at halftime um, this year in in the main stadium on the 18th of November. So they will play. They will represent Ireland and they will play a Australia team um, of their peers as well. So that's another fantastic thing, and it'll be another another I suppose outlet for for the kids to show off their their Gaelic skills and also for the younger kids coming through in the junior academy to say, well, wow, this is some something you know I can aspire to. I can maybe one day I can get to play in the main stadium, and also Liam, you know the main stadium. Is, is coming to the end of its life as a stadium. The the compromise rules split last Sunday was one of the last games to be played there, and the international rules will be the last game. The internet, the second test between Ireland and Australia will be the last game played at, at the main stadium or Subiaco Oval, as it's fondly known as. So that's a bit of history as well that those players, um, those players from the Junior Academy who are here in Western Australia, you know, they've been saying when I played. I play. I was part of the last sporting event to take place in the main stadium, so that's historic as well. And we're delighted, you know, that that aside from our Irish senior team, that the GA in Western Australia through the Gaelic Games Junior Academy of WA is going to be represented on the day as well. Yeah, it's it's very very exciting for Western Australia. Yeah, I suppose to yeah, like you said, to be part of that history in of the stadium and for the kids to say, "I played in one in the last game ever to be played." in the stadium and I suppose it's the equivalent of, for people at home to the main stadium for people in Western Australia it'd be the equivalent of Croke Park for the people in Perth um, the state, that, that stadium there it's a massive stadium where all the games are played so look um, yeah. all the best Tom with that um, on for the international rules on, on the Sunday maybe we, we might get you back on again 
to have a chat about that after to see how the under 12s got on and how even you got on at the, at the game itself I'm not going to be able to make it over I did well to get over for the state games I'm not going to get over for the compromise rule so it'd be great to have you on again to hear how that game goes well, well, look, look I'd, I'd, I'd love to come back on. I've all really enjoyed um, chatting to you, and say, say we, we had, um, we had a, a good chat in Perth, yourself and John, uh, when you were over for the state games. And I think it was a bit of history for you as well. You know, you interviewed the president of the GA um, in Tom Bateman. I don't know if you've seen the photographs, but they were, they were super ones. And um, you know, I'd, you know, you're doing a great thing as well. A good day, GA spreading spreading the GA gospel around Australia. So, so well done, a brilliant podcast altogether. That's great, Tom. Appreciate that feedback, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Liam. Take care. Take care. Yeah, look, that was a great interview with, with Tom. And like I said, we're delighted to be joined here with, with, with Dara, who's a, a primary school teacher in the Sacred Heart Primary School in Sandringham here in Melbourne. And we've delighted to have Dara along with us tonight, firstly because he's a great, proud Clare man, um, yeah. hurler and footballer, and also musician, was in the band there tonight. <laughs> uh, so great to have you along, Dara. Cheers, Liam. Great to be here tonight. I don't know about being a musician or a hurler or a footballer <laughs> even, but... Uh, I'll take all the credit I can get in there. <laughs> um, no, but I think it's it's great to have you along, especially on the back of the interview we've, we've just done with Tom. Like, from our understanding, what we heard around Traps, you're doing great work in that school with the kids with regards to the promotion of, of Gaelic games. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess it all started maybe two or three months ago. And one of our inter-school sports is softball. And I apologise to the softball community out there if you're listening. And the kids were kind of getting sick of playing softball. So I I kind of prompted one of the other teachers, maybe we might play a bit of Gaelic football. And um, the area that we're in, a lot of the kids, a lot of the girls, they play netball uh, and a lot of the boys play AFL. So I kind of said a mix and match between the both is, is sort of Gaelic football. And the kids have picked it up unbelievably. We're... Um, we're playing a blitz or a tournament. They call it Lightning Premierships over here in two weeks in between the International Rules Games. So we've got our school, Sacred Heart Sandringham, and we're playing against um, St. Peter's in Bentley. So there's another Irish teacher over there, Limerick girl called Sinead Fitzpatrick. So we've about 100 kids playing in the blitz. Um, we've kind of given them all different counties' names. So Every team has got a different county. We've, you know, all the big names, Dublin, Kerry, Cork, um, Clare, all, those <laughs> all, all, the, good football all the good football <laughs> counties and stuff like that. So the kids are, you know, getting excited about, you know, they all have iPads in school, so they're looking up the jerseys and they're looking up YouTube clips and things like that. Mm. So they're, they're really getting into into the GA and what's it all about um, we, can nearly, we can nearly give our friends and O'Neill's a little plug there Liam I'm sure they can make a bit of business yeah, 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 yeah I think we'll get some jerseys you know Antoinette there in South Australia there she, we put her on to you Dara <laughs> Absolutely. but in terms of when you said it I suppose to the kids first or when the f- you first brought in the Gaelic footballs or whatever t- like what was the first take up or when you showed them the video on YouTube up on the whiteboard what was the first reaction to it um, 
first clip I showed him actually was a hurling clip. So it was, I think it was the All Ireland final. That's the proper way to start. That was the proper way to start. I knew you'd like that one, lads. And the kids were blown away from it. I was um, didn't watch the All Ireland on the night, so I was watching it at lunchtime. And a couple of grade six boys were watching with me eating their lunch and couldn't believe um, they'd never heard about this sport and what was it. And we ended up, they ended up like staying in off the yard at lunch and staying in watching this, which is big for these lads who've energy of a thousand horses, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes. So they stayed in and watched, we watched the All Ireland Hurling Final and they were amazed by that. And um, after that, we kind of watched a bit of Gaelic and there's a few Irish families in the school as well. And, they've, you know, we have Jersey Day in the school and you always see a couple of Galway jerseys knocking around or a couple of Cork or Kilkenny or Waterford jerseys because their parents are um, from Ireland. You know, in my class alone, I've got a, a McInerney, I've got a Collins, uh, yeah. got a, a McGregor actually in the class <laughs> again, and a good Cork name, Collins. Amen. So, you know, could be might have been their grandparents or great-great-grandparents that were Irish. Some of them, their parents are actually Irish. So they, they know a little bit about it and they've been to Ireland and things like that. So, that's so, so what was the, the initial, I suppose, the initial introduction to the round ball and how did that go in terms of like the first, we'll say the first training session or the first introduction to the round ball and how, how did they take to that? Um, they struggled a small bit with the kicking and it, it's taken a little while to go out there. Yeah, because the Aussie rules, you know, it's all a front on kick, like it's like a punt, like and coming around the corner with the Gaelic, the Gaelic football, we come around the corner with the with the kick and the, the Aussie boys always kick straight. So that's one thing I think they would struggle with, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they could be, you know, straight in front of the goals or sorry, out to the right or left or something and they try to kick it on straight. So we've kind of been learning, you know, the hook kick and yeah. where your body position should be and things like that. And, you know, it, it definitely all the best players will say in the AFL, you're Eddie Betts, um, you're, um, who else is a good player in the AFL? Dusty Martin. Dusty Martin, all these boys, you Jack know. Revolt, all of yeah, them, so. all these do, their, like the hook kick that we do in the GA as well, like in the crowd, crowds absolutely love it. Yeah. Around the body kick. Around the body yeah, they kick, call yeah. it, They call it a snap in the Aussie rules. Yeah, and it's, the skills are so transferable with the, with the AFL, you know, Melbourne this year have, a lad called Christian Pertacker playing for them. Yeah. And he's, you know, I've, I've seen him play a couple of years ago at the Melbourne Miners here, like, and, you know, he's one of the top names in... Did he play with the Melbourne Miners? Yeah, yeah. He's, he was unbelievable. He's a big name in the AFL now. Yeah, yeah. He was unbelievable there. Like, and the skills are so transferable. The, the easiest part, um, I would say, was how they read the game. Um, you know, it's the exact same as AFL. What they're probably better than us at is the marking or the high catches. Mm. Um, there's balls like being put up there in the schoolyard, and lads, three or four lads, are just they're way more committed, aren't they? Yeah, up yeah. in the air, like it's yeah. like it because the mark is the be all end all. It's it's primary possession, and yeah. like once you mark that ball, once you catch the ball in the AFL, it's it's your ball, and that's it. Nobody can touch you. I think that's why uh, yeah. compared to Gaelic games where. Or football, where you like catch the ball and you're you're there to be tackled. Yeah. Whereas yeah. As, as you roll, you go up, you catch the ball, it's immediately your ball. It's as good as the score. Yeah. That's it, why yeah. I think they're better at it, and they're yeah. they're they're running as well. Their running is phenomenal, isn't it? They're like they're running off the ball, and and they're constantly just going, going, going. Is it's it, I think that's the contrast between that and yeah, and the Irish lads. Yeah, a bit. yeah, it's just they they do it. You notice it was even the schoolyard, they're running waves. 
it's like when they they're attacking there's like they're all going six or seven lads attacking in packs yeah and there's no lad hanging back you yeah, know, yeah, watching, yeah watching watching the square and yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Like. there's no one minding the house and things yeah. like that and do you, know, do you know what's interesting there and i was thinking about is do you, do you think Gaelic football will ever make a breakthrough in let's say victoria you know where, where afl is the big competitor in terms of the sport and our our kind of seasons overlap with them or is there any way around that or what, what's your thoughts on that i think if we got the you know listening to tom's interview there what they've done in perth is probably the right way to do it um i definitely do think there are possibility down the line a lot of talking to a lot of parents and their kids playing afl it's you know it's an extremely rough game mm. and a lot of the parents aren't willing to put their kids into teams because they know the injuries and stuff like that um so they're putting them into sports like basketball and soccer which are less physical and you know a happy medium might be the gaelic in between but it'll have you know it's definitely down the line yeah what well, well, a big takeaway for me there is that competition you're going playing that blitz that lightning premiership between the two teams but you're actually going having 100 players with 10 teams yeah like it's not just oh one class is playing another class you know we might have 10 versus 10 you're having 100 players playing across the two 10 schools. teams 10 teams 10 teams yeah that's like massive. that's phenomenal huge like, yeah. like that's a like you know like that's a huge achievement i think for yourself and for Sin- for Sinead over another school like to get that organized get all the kids on board having the parents not ringing up saying why is my kid playing Gaelic football not playing footy like you know and then to have an actual organized blitz you must be very proud though to see that being a Gaelic footballer from Clare yeah. as your number one sport coming over here to teach in Australia did you think that you'd end up having a blitz with 100 lads playing playing Gaelic football definitely not no kind of when I came over here I was like oh this the end of the GA from my days or whatever so it's it's great to just give the kids an opportunity and the parents are they're great backing it as I said they have a lot of Irish ancestry and a lot of Irish connections so um, having a hundred kids out playing GA like is a massive win for us a lot of organisation a lot of work still to do now as well but we'll um, we'll let you know how we go and yeah. um, and hopefully they'll remember you know something like that down through the years and that's all about a bit of fun and you got the girls involved as well um, we've six boys teams and four girls that's teams brilliant so you know, the girls are picking it up like like that as well and they other super sports players as well and and just in relation to thomas point i suppose that it's 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 all expats kids in the in the western australia academy which is still fantastic yeah. how many would you say of percentages are expats kids playing in this i'd say five percent yeah, yeah and that's much lower and yeah. that's what i think Incredible. is which is brilliant yeah. like you know the fact that you're going to have australians, australians yeah. playing yeah. that from a young age rather than you know we have the minor competition at the state game is where the eight, 17, 18 year olds playing the competition that's brilliant but having pl- kids start playing at 11 and 12 who have not got to do with Ireland or whatever it's fantastic and it's a huge opportunity for the GEA to, to grow the games abroad having Irish teachers in schools here planting the seed but yeah. I suppose this, and that's the thing I think Liam you had to hit the nail on the head there like this is all being done by yourself and Sinead and, and whoever else you know they're actually introducing this game to the, the Australian kids like there's been no no backing from the GA or no input from the GA on this, is there? No, not that it's kind of all off on our own back, really. Like so, that's phenomenal. That's yeah. that's a credit to yourself and Sinead and whoever else is involved. In like, uh, it probably is worth reaching out to the GA yeah. at home. Yeah, you know, getting yeah. in contact with them about the promotion of that. Like, that's a, a great good news story for the GA. Mm. You know, that spreading the spreading the gospel over here. You must be the, the Tommy Curtin of Sandringham. Yeah, must be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tommy's a great man. Um, 
lads like you know doing doing reaching out to different teams and different people all over the world as well now so it's maybe someone listening in Abu Dhabi or somewhere could be yeah. <laughs> getting ideas so if anyone wants to go down and watch the matches when and where are they on so they're on um, in Chisholm Reserve down in Sandringham on the day after the first international rule so it's a Monday 13th of November 13th of November so if anyone wants to help out with refereeing or anything like that um, get on to the boys Monday 13th of November. Yeah, I'm actually on an RDO that day. Liam Liam Lennon and Ref I'll do umpire maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us any other interesting stories about being an umpire there? Yeah, we covered on last week's podcast. Have you listened to that one, Dara? did, Sean. give you a good roasting about it. Yeah, Dara was one of the umpires I selected to be umpired in the final of state games, and he had the honour of meeting the President of Ireland. So. Yeah. He's forever grateful Thanks, to me for that. Got my back. Good on you. Dara took off his sunglasses when he met the president. I'm like, no, he, <laughs> didn't, he didn't take off his hat, though. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Cute hair like mine, you take it off. <laughs> I left my hat on, too. Um, no, that's great. Dara, and we wish you all the best to look with that. And like, I think it's something we want to check it back in with you maybe after the blitz is on yeah. to hear how, hear how it all went. Um, and well done to Sinead as well. It's great work. And, and to Tom, obviously, in, in part, we just had that interview there with Tom and all the great work they're doing over there just to keep it up I think it's very very important we're at probably peak GEA in Australia I think at the moment yeah, we're at the Zenit and we want to we want to try and maintain it because um, a lot of us are here for the for the long haul some for the short haul but we want to keep it going for the people who come over next so yeah, yeah so fair play to everyone involved there um, look we've got Almer Road they're still here with us so they're coming up with their, their next tune they're warming up there in the background they're going to eating the crunchies <laughs> <laughs> they're going to take it away with, with Fisherman's Blues, take it away, boys. I wish I was a fisherman.
from the bones that hold me tight. Chains are hung around me, fall away at last. And on that final fateful day, I will take thee in my arms. I will ride that night train. I will be the fisherman with light in my hair. You and my hand. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, There, they're absolutely flying red hot, red hot here with us this evening. So next up, we're we're going to have a look at the, the manager Mary go around and say, see who's on and signed on and signed off for, for next year on the hurling scene. I don't think we've had too many football appointments actually in the last couple of months. It's, it's mainly been the, the hurling ones have signed back up. Rochford just got the two years extension there. Yeah, that was just today. Mayo and Fitzmaurice got three years. They, they were probably oh, the, two interest, okay. the, the, the two interesting ones. Yeah. We'd focus on the hurling tonight anyway. Yeah, so for, so first up we have Pat Gilroy has been signed up as the Dublin Senior Hurling Manager, which has been in the rumour mill, I suppose, since Davy Fitz signed back up with Wexford and kind of ruled himself out. But it's a very interesting one, former senior football manager, now senior hurling manager. But I, I'll be honest, I, I was around the Dublin club scene, played up there for two years and then trained with Kula for four years and, and would have trained with a lot of the guys who actually won the All-Ireland last year. And there was huge talk, like for probably the guts of six or eight months, about Matty Kenny, um, the Galway man who was a selector with Galway in 2012, that he would be the Dublin manager. And the Pat Gilroy rumor kind of came out of nowhere. I think it was mentioned on Colin Parkinson's um, podcast there one day with uh, Colin Keeney, and suddenly it grew legs. Now, Pat Gilroy, by all accounts, is a serious businessman, he's a serious organizer, he's a serious people manager. and by all accounts, he's getting Anthony Cunningham to come on board with him from the hurling and the coaching side. He is like he's a man with kind of undepth resources. He's the same business club man, so he knows the scene in Dublin. He knows how to get the right people around the team. He'll definitely get buy-in from the players. So it sounds like a very, very positive appointment in Dublin, and I think Dublin hurling people in general are very, very positive about the appointment. Yeah, and I, I think obviously Dublin went through some big issues, I suppose, under Jerry Cunningham. They lost a number of players, like yeah. who kind of dropped off panels for various different reasons. Danny Sutcliffe, Mark Shudis, all stars, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think his first job is probably to get those boys back, yeah. back on board, and who's willing to give it a go again because you can't afford, I think, to lose that caliber player in any county. Never mind Dublin, like who I suppose have under Anthony Daly won that Leinster final, got to an Ireland semi final, look like they've really progressed, but they've probably stalled 
the last number of years and probably gone back to the pack a little bit, which is very disappointing. They were within a puck of a ball from getting to an Ireland final in 2013, 2013 yeah. and they haven't been in the whiff of it since. Yeah, it, it's probably interesting. I, I'd say the Dublin County Board probably went through a thought process around if we bring in Matty Kenny as manager, he's going to be another outside manager. So you've gone from Anthony Daly, who brought them from zero to nearly almost a glimpse of the promised land, won a Leinster, won a league. Uh, and then Jerk Cunningham came in, and probably Jerk Cunningham came in on a hiding to nothing. He probably, from what, from what I hear about Jerk Cunningham, he's a very set in his way. Sean, you might mm. know a bit more about him. And he'd probably have that cork arrogance from back in the 80s and 90s. And maybe that just didn't sit well with the old the old Jack Keynes above, you know? I, I don't know. Maybe so, yeah. But uh, going across a lot of his inter- interviews through the year, it, it never came across like that. He was he was a bit dismissive of any negativity around the camp. I think that was out in the media. You don't know what's happening behind closed doors. But he was very... He never let, let that negative, I suppose, feeling or those questions put to him in the media, you know, seep into any of his answers or anything like that. So hard to know, really. But it, it's look, it's obvious that it wasn't it wasn't a nice camp like and it wasn't, you know, everything wasn't going as smoothly as it was. I mean, the results tell 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 the tale, really. And yeah, you I mean, I just said. You didn't hear many Dublin players in the media for no, two years. Like no. there was no one coming out really publicly backing them. Like I think Liam Rush had one or two things positive to say. Yeah, about and, him, and there's been a lot of players in the recent times though since since he has gone saying you know the camp wasn't good. You know, Niall Corcoran came out about it as well, and he said that Pat Gilroy will have to mend a lot of relationships there. Yeah. So, I mean, Pat Gilroy really is he's a he's a facilitator. Like he's a good man management. So I think I think he ha- he'll he'll definitely bring him back up to the to the top table again but that'll take a few years I think I don't think yeah. they'll get it done in a year yeah, it's an exi- exciting time for Dublin I think we'll be all looking on at them with interest to see how that goes especially the league campaign starting up in February um, I suppose Davy Fitz has signed on for another year in Wexford like we said that that was a, b- uh, a big thing um, once he signed on I think that ruled him out of the Dublin job and a lot of people in Wexford I think are, are delighted to have him o- on board what's the view down in Clare around Davy, I know half the county probably love him and half the county hate him what, what's your view Blakey I think um, I'm, I'm a big fan of him I he, where I'm from the scanner he had a pub there for years and always got on well with him he trained our club for a while unbelievable trainer and stuff like that um, I'd, 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 I'd see him as like I'd know him pretty well yeah. so I have great time for him Um I reckon it is 50-50. A lot of people have opinions on him. They see him on the sideline. They see how animated he gets. And, you know, they throw the book at him. But, you know... I'd say if you're around that scene and around him all the time, his, his enthusiasm is infectious. Yeah. I'd say it rubs on and everything. No matter of his antics on the line or anything like that, I'd say he'd back... And he, he's shown that as well. He backs all his players, like, in... Yeah. You know, in... in Whenever he's challenged or anything, like he backs his players to the hilt. Like yeah, that and that's it. People I reckon who know him personally are people who, um, you know, have worked under him. They absolutely love yeah. him. I met him a couple of times off the field now, and I, I'll be honest with you, the man on the sideline versus the man you meet yeah. off the field are two totally different yeah. people. And I think probably his persona on the field just gives everyone ammunition to go at yeah, him. And yeah. he's just, he's an easy target. And he yeah. makes himself an easy target <laughs> with his antics, and that's fine. But he's a pure, passionate GM, and he's won two. All-Ireland medal as a goalie, one of the best goalies of all time, and he brought Clare from nowhere to win in All-Ireland. Um, and all right, he'd one or two bad years afterwards, but then you see what he's done with Wexford. He brought Waterford to an All-Ireland final, hadn't been there in years. He's won three 
uh, Fitzgibbon Cups with LIT I think so yeah. his record his is record stands, like, for, stands yeah. for itself yeah. you can't he's also won an intermediate football with a scanner as well <laughs> 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 was he playing midfield going up for the mark he was going for the high ones yeah. Yeah. I was going for the very high ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, I, like you said I think Wexford really lit up the championship last year um, I know it, it kind of fizzled a little bit towards the end but that victory over Kilkenny down in Wexford Park was a, was a massive day for them and a massive day for the fans and to see the players and the, the joy on the field after that victory a long time since they beat him so I think he does bring that X factor and he does get the best out of the, whatever bunch he's with yeah. so I think that's a, a huge testament to, to him so I'll look to see forward to see Wexford kicking on next year obviously then we've also got Brian Cody signed back up you might think yeah that's Tick running the mill but he's also signed up his same backroom team so I know there's a bit of uh, I suppose just quite in Kilkenny around that that people felt maybe it was delighted to have Brian Cody back on board but Mick Dempsey's back in as trainer and Derek Ling and, and James McGarry as selector I don't think there's an issue with the selectors but Mick Dempsey's been training Kilkenny since 2006 so that's 10 years you know and obviously he's had fantastic success but I think that's one of the roles that Cody has always been willing to freshen up right. and has often kept the boys fresh I think if you're listening to the same trainer for 10 years you know is Mick Dempsey, would he be seen as an old-school trainer or would he be progressively in the No, he's very progressive. Like He right. works in Carroll IT. He's big into sports science. Yeah, like, he's like he's, he's well-educated. Well-educated yeah. and fantastic. And he came, comes with a football background. Yeah. And he is a fantastic, very well-regarded trainer. But I think when it gets to a point where Brian Cody now is essentially building a new team in Kilkenny, is it time for a new trainer to come in with that new batch coming through? I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how they go this year. I didn't think Kenny looked as fit as other teams this year. It might be not necessarily the case of the players listening to the same voice at all because Brian Cody normally clears up for so fast they're not listening to the same voice. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably that's and if there's, new, if there's new guys coming through, Mick Dempsey might be the right appointment. Uh, on the fitness point, I'd have to say, like I think Kilkenny obviously didn't have the depth so it forced Brian Cody to play injured players like Richie Hogan wasn't fit this year to play yeah. inter-county level he's one of the best hurlers in, in the world but he but that's, uh, that's he personal injury fit. though that's not really down to make exactly but, like, but, yeah. but if, if, you, if, if Liam's comment was they didn't look as fit oh, it's yeah, okay, down sorry, to like yeah, Richie yeah. Hogan Michael Fenley only played training mm. two weeks before he played championship yeah. they would they would they had this injury list as well to be fair to him it, it's, uh, I, I know it's an interesting point when you brought it up earlier before the podcast I, I wouldn't have thought about that at all I was in the mindset of yeah Brian Cody tick yeah, but yeah. I do know Kilkenny people place an awful lot of emphasis on that backroom team and when he does freshen up because he doesn't go himself <laughs> no he doesn't so it's no. like when the Kilkenny backroom team gets freshened up it's a big thing but um, yeah it'll yeah. be interesting if you just see how they go next year I think two years is the longest we've gone without winning all Ireland in, in the last 15 years so I, I reckon it's going to be a third year being honest Yeah. Um, but still it's going to be interesting to see how, how things go with his, ha- his hand is going to be forced with lads he's going to have to play so yeah it'll be interesting to see how Kenny go next year I'm still optimistic to still be like there thereabouts but I, I, I think they're that bit off probably Galway and Tip and, and maybe Waterford as well but the Leinster Championship will be interesting because you've got the round robin series now yeah. you've got a, probably a rejuvenated Dublin under Pat Gilroy you've, you'll probably maybe have a, a little bit of a hungover Galway who have a serious team Like, but you know will they place as much emphasis on the Leinster Championship they'll be coming out of 1B which I suppose maybe gives him a break. You'll have Kilkenny coming back to the pack, Wexford coming back to the pack. Awfully don't look like they're going to make any strides, unfortunately. No. They seem to look like they're in a bit of a, a hames there. But um, but with those four teams, like it looks like any of the four could probably win the Leinster Championship next year. They'll all be gun- eyeing it. Yeah, so yeah, we, we'll keep an eye on that one. And obviously we've got, have we got Derek and Dan sign back up, Giggles? 
Yeah, there's an interesting yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing down in Waterford at the moment. I think the Waterford County Board, who would um, who'd be kind of known for their stubbornness every now and again. Uh, I think there's there's a bit of an impasse there at the moment between Derek and, and the county board. Uh, rumours are going around is something to do with the holiday fund and, and who can and can't go. Um, geez, I'd be hoping that they just resolve that now quicker rather than later to, and get Dan and Derek and, and whoever else, Owen and Fergal Hartley back involved and get going with the lads because they're probably, last year we said in the podcast, they're probably a forward or two short from winning All-Ireland. Please God, you get Patrick Horan back from injury, sh- Stephen Bennett, and you might find one or two more forwards, and, and they'll, they'll be pushing again like it's an even playing field. So, I think I, I think a freshening up in Waterford or a change in the management might actually kind of upset the team. I don't think it'll be a progressive thing for Waterford. Okay, we'll watch that one with beta breath to see what actually happens there. And then onto your native county, Shawnee, we have a appointment during the week. John Myler's on board. Yeah, John Myler, um, a good appointment, I think. Um, I played actually under John in 2001 in CIT. He was um, training our Fitzgibbon team. Um, very good manager, very good man manager. He's Re- been brought on as, co- as head coach, I think his title is. It's not actually manager. Is that right? Yeah, which is an interesting Didn't one. Know that, no, yeah. yeah. Um, no, he's, I'd, have a, I'd have a lot of time for John Myler. He was a, I thought he was a great trainer. Um, he's obviously, that's, he's that's 16 years ago now, so he's obviously Long time ago, Sean, yeah. Long, long time ago. ago. Showing my age here now, but that was, uh, he's progressing since then, really. He's, he's been with the Carpenter Three Ones as well since, uh, he's been with Wexford since that appointment. He trained Kerry. Was he a selector of Cork before as well? He was a selector of Cork before yeah, as well. He yeah. was a selector, yeah. 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 So uh, he played with um, the Bears in Cork. Um, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a positive move for Cork. He was in the background team with Kieran Kingston, so he'll, um, he'll, uh, he'll just carry on. The, I'd say the it's it's interesting in Cork, though, isn't it? You never get lamped into Cork. You're either a, b- either a selector or you're an under 21 coach. Frank Murphy kind of makes it like you have to go through the system yeah. to get the big There's job. There's a bit of an apprenticeship. Yeah, like, there yeah, is. Yeah, it's interesting. Get in, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think... Frank Murphy got an extra year as well, which is what yeah, it's I great. Was, yeah. I was going to say that there's, there's a whole podcast... Um, we're actually talking about the Cork County Board, but we'll we'll leave that for another. The media that were asked to leave during his ratification of another year, and at the yeah, media yeah, asked to leave. Yes, interesting. And there's 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 other people, there's other people down there. I don't know if you remember a guy called Kevin O'Donovan. He wrote a big article in the yeah, Irish Independent last year. He's yeah. making a big push to get onto the county board um, top table down there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens down there. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, th- I think the Cork one is, is interesting and I think John Myler was on with um, John Mullion off the ball during the week, did a very good interview m- with him and I think the big point he was making was that he's actually coming in in a great time to Cork whereas, you know, Kieran Kingston was coming in, he was picking up the pieces. Jimmy Barry Murphy came in, he's lasted, he was picking up the pieces. He's coming in with a Cork team, was Munster champions and got to an Ireland semi-final and Niall Callan hadn't got sent off, could have well got to an Ireland final. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of a, a great way to come into that Cork setup. They're not down in the dumps, that Cork team at the moment. You know, there's no, there is a lot of positivity. Pos- yeah, I mean, like he said it as well in that interview. Like he, there was a lot of high expectations in Cork, and I think the expectation is back in Cork again. Like in All Ireland is, is what we're looking for now again. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest, lads. I, I don't think it's a positive thing to, for him to come into it. I, I don't think that Cork team is as good as what they made out this year. That's just my own opinion. Mm. They are Munster champions, they're on a high, there's a lot of expectation. And for me, I don't think they'll go and win that Ireland. So if they don't win Munster, there, there's a very, you know, if, if so one or two of the Cork forwards don't perform, there's a there's a, a big risk that they could actually go backwards next year. And that suddenly will be the focus. Was it John Myler that came in? And was, was the focus. It, it, I, you can look at it both ways, but yeah. I, 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 I think there, there, no, I mean there like could be a risk around it for him. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd see it. Obviously, I'd probably be biased, like, but I wouldn't see it that way at all. I mean, I, I tw- we spoke about it in the podcast earlier. Like, I, I, I still reckon that that um, All Ireland semi final that that sending off was the biggest turning point in that All Ireland semi final. Mm. And oh, yeah. so I don't know. I we'll we'll see how it goes. I know yeah, there's yeah, a lot of yeah. um, but uh, one thing about I suppose we've been talking about here is as managers, and it's been all individuals really. Like, I mean the whole management scene now has really moved on like it's not about the one man anymore like it's all about background teams That's you spoke there with Cody, Cody as well like you know it's like the people behind the scenes don't really get to mention as much as the as the head man in front like so That's true. Yeah. I think they're as important in behind the man in front as well like you know yeah and I think John Miller made reference in his interview with Joe Malloy about like he has like a logistics manager that will look after all the bookings of the pitches for the trainings will look coordinate all that's like you know that very it's important it's things, a yeah. massive setup now running an inter-county team like it is a team yeah. that runs a team like you know it like it's yeah. not just oh yeah he, he's in the, the main man and he's got two selectors with him like you know yeah. it's everyone has a role everyone, and everyone has, a role has, has a focus on their yeah. role and they want to perfect whatever their criteria is for the management like how so. many um backroom staff do you reckon most inter-county teams would have these days no idea. I think you're talking in the twenties. Yeah, I reckon that yeah. is all easy. Yeah. I know between physios and yeah. all that as well. Doctors. Oh, would you include all them? Well yes, the background team. Yeah. yeah. I know Claire back in when they won the All Ireland in 2013. There was something like 19 or 20 yeah. backroom staff like that. People who wash the gear, people who set up the gear. Yeah. Yeah. Hurleys, everything like so. It's a huge. Davy Fitz requires 100 slitters per train as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people required to pick all them up. Yeah, it is. Huge <laughs> 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 you played a bit of intercounty back in the mid nineties there. Oh, how many in the backroom team back in Clare? It was the bare minimum back <laughs> then. I'd say we had a couple of physios and the you old know, doctor come in every so often, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah selectors, it. manager. Yeah, and on, and on to Clare, obviously we've we've had the news during the week that uh, Don Law Cusick has stepped aside from his role as coach with Clare on the back of the character reference that he provided to the now convicted paedophile Tom Humphreys um, I suppose the, the room, the story broke a few weeks ago that a, a prominent sports person had provided a character reference we didn't know who it was um, you McKenna I think was the first to break it on Twitter that it was Don Logue and then we had a statement from Don Logue around 10 days ago and then we've had a further statement from I suppose just as the, as the case came to his conclusion where he's he's stepping down as a, as a result Um and like I think we're all in the greens, like we were all disgusted by the case itself and and the crimes that were committed. Yeah. But I, I I suppose and and there's a lot of outrage at home and also in the Irish community here about the se- the sentence I suppose that's been handed down and the leniency of it, and a factor that our understanding is what the judge used as a mitigating factor was the character references that were provided and one of those was from Donald Logue, and also from David Walsh and I think, it's it's very it's very upsetting to see that that had an influence on the leniency of, of a sentence um, Don Logue I suppose would have been seen as a person who had very high morals and stood up for what was right and was a firm believer in that and I think like what he did was shocking and give a reference for that person knowing what that person yeah. was up for I think mm-hmm. we're all agreed yeah, on that absolutely yeah. um, and now I don't think we're going to see Don Logue on the TV I don't think he's not going to be involved with the team next year and and, no, and I think rightly so. Yeah. I I think you know he's resigned from the Irish Sports Council as well. Yeah, and any rightly public so. Yeah, um, associations he is with. 
yeah, yeah. And look, yeah, it's disappointing. The, yeah. the only thing I'd say, just and not to defend Don Logue, but right, he's come out, he's admitted, and maybe it was a force, right? So uh, definitely take that into factor. And I don't agree with what he did at all, but he's admitted he was wrong. He stepped aside. He's going to serve his punishment for what he did. He didn't do anything wrong to any human, right? He he didn't. He um he did give an incorrect character reference, and it was the wrong thing to do. It was very wrong thing to do. He's going to serve his punishment now because, as you said, we won't see Don Logue for yeah. years. If if we ever see him back in the public spotlight again, he he had a massive career ahead of him. He had a great career as a player. He had a great career as a pundit and as a coach. And to be honest, it, like I don't even think clubs in Cork will probably give him a job now. No, to be honest, no. so he, he he is going to serve his crime as well or his time for yeah. for for that piece that he did. Yeah, and, and I, he under he's probably like he's probably sitting at home and client now saying, "What the hell did I draft for?" It was a massive error in judgment. It was a st- it was a terrible thing to do. And he did it, and he, he he came out and apologized for it, which was big of him. Um, but I think I think like it, he had the benefit of then when it broke that he came out and said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it." But I wonder it broke like it wasn't known for a long, long time that he had provided that reference. So if it hadn't have come out, would he have come out and then saying that was you know I shouldn't have done you it? Don't, you don't know. You don't know, and you also don't know is that he made two statements. So the first time he came out and he said, oh, "I shouldn't have done this," it wasn't like his statement lacked a lot. I thought in terms of. He said a human was in a dark place, but there was someone who had been on the receiving end of a shocking crime. Um, so I think, and look, we won't we won't dwell on it too much, but I think he could have resigned there and then. I reckon what's happened is we don't we'll never know, but I think he was told that there wouldn't be a job from Clare next year because otherwise, I think he would have wrapped up the first time. Possibly that's you know, true. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. it's, it's yeah, and it's he true. was and he was on the off the ball interview as well, saying like he was going to stick with Clare and yeah, when he when he commits to something, he was going to stick with it. So yeah, so. Yeah, look, look, it's. I think it's a sad day for the Irish judicial system and for that injured party, as she wants to be referred to, not a victim. That what's happened, and I think, yeah, Donald Logue is is not guilty by association, but will serve punishment for what he also did by providing that character reference, yeah. and I think he has to live with that. Yeah. Okay, so we, we'll we'll finish up on that note on on the managers. We do have Anne Rose still here. Um, Hi boys. Hi boys. <laughs> Might give us a bit of a lift there after that uh, conversation, but we have him here to to sing Galway Bay for us. Hear the rippling of that 
flying it there got a bit of a somber tune but um great rendition nonetheless so up next we're going to talking about i suppose the the club championships we're not finished with the club championships yet in at home um massive one this sunday for my my club at home dixborough and the kilkenny senior county finals dixborough versus the village are known as james stevens which would be our, our biggest probably rivals at home um massive game dixborough on beaten going into the game have won all their league games won the league James Stevens are coming in on the back of actually being in relegation but going on a great run and getting to the final. So I'm very, very excited. It's live on TG Catter. I have a dodgy box here. I'll get TG Catter on the dodgy box. <laughs> I'm going to be able to watch it live at 1 o'clock in the morning Sunday. I have Monday off. <laughs> I'm very, very excited. I think the boys are going to do it. Um, it's going to be a great game. We have a very, very young team in Dixborough. I say average age is under 25. Um, a lot of minors have come through. It's very, very exciting time for the club but we need to get over the line against the old rivals on Sunday. So I just want to wish the boys all all, all the best. Also the management team, Mark Downell and, and David Carroll. I heard with the boys towards their end of their career. Um, so I just wish the boys all the best and fingers crossed they'll do the business uh, on Sunday. Killian Buckley obviously be the main oh. man for you, Liam, wouldn't he? Yeah, Killian Buckley is our, is our centre-back. Uh, and we were struggling there in the, against Mullinavat in the quarter-final. We sent him up into the forwards and he got a goal for us. So... He'll, he'll, he'll go where he'll have to go on Sunday where we need him but yeah he's been brilliant for a centre back so yeah it's great to have the focal point of Killian being like a two time all star and established player with Kilkenny now so you probably have the youth of Dixborough coming up against on the flip side the experience of James Stevens where they've got a, a couple of lads who've got an All-Ireland club medal they've got probably three or four county medals in the back pocket you have Jackie Tyrrell and Larkin Matthew Root you have a few other kind of lads yeah. there as well so yeah it'll be interesting I suppose the later the club championship goes on, the longer it suits these older guys, you know. If Dixborough probably played James Stevens in the middle of July, they probably could beat him by five or six points with the legs and the, and the hard ground. But Mark and Jackie Tyrrell now on a soft pitch in the middle of October. The last weekend of October, yeah. I'm sure Jackie Jackie will be happy that the pitches will be getting a bit softer. Yeah. What, what's your own prediction, kind of taking the, the heart away from it? I actually think the Borough will, will swing it by a couple of points. I don't think there's going to be much in it either way, but I, I really think, Dixborough have shown a, a different level of grit this year and getting over games which n- maybe previously they wouldn't have won even last t- week against O'Loughlin's two weeks ago they haven't bet O'Loughlin's in a long time but they you know, they just grinded it out so I think they've got that bit of steel to them this year so I think they're going to go over the line fingers crossed anyway yeah. and I'm home for the Club All-Ireland in March so hopefully I'll be home oh, to see Dixborough play in the Club All-Ireland that's what I'm ho- holding out for but th- there was a bigger win in Kilkenny last weekend with the Valley Ragged Fights <laughs> <laughs> taking home the Intermediate Championship after beating Craig Bally Kellen so so uh, congratulations to Bally Ragged going senior. I think that's all we have to say <laughs> on that one. <laughs> uh, sure, look, I think I think everything's kind of been blown out of proportion as well here. I think, um, <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> we've got an in joke here that we won't share online. But um, <laughs> I think look, the I do you know the Bally Ragged team have kind of been <laughs> they've been on social media, they've been on the media, they've been on the front page of newspapers, um, radio over the last one. couple of days, and and I think there's an investigation going into their antics. But look probably what they did probably <laughs> wasn't 
first of all right but it definitely wasn't in the right place where they were doing it and, and they probably is, I think DJ Carey came out and was very condemning about they definitely shouldn't have had the cup anywhere near them yeah the cup seems to be sacred <laughs> in this for some reason yeah. so um, look sure I, I think it look teams go off and do things I remember Donegal Gaelic footballers a couple of years ago they went off and they were playing or it was the Roscommon actually I think it was and they were playing pool naked and it was all over the media these things blow over um, the big thing about these days though compared to then is the bloody smartphone and the snapchat and the images that are going around the world of some poor young lad who, who would probably be scared now but um, look it, it'll be interesting to see does anything happen to the club because I don't think the club did anything wrong it's no, I think I think the, and the club have come out saying that it wasn't a club event, like you know, like there was club players there, but it wasn't like an event organised by the club. Ballyragan have come out and said so. Yeah. They're they're distancing themselves from, but the county board are looking into it. You'd uh, be big into now administrations of that. What, what what would you think should happen in this case? Well, as you mean, all giggles from pouring through the rules of Australasia from time to time <laughs> when we have a player who might ne- need to appeal a, an odd suspension. <laughs> There is a provision in the rules in Australasia about bringing like the game into disrepute. So I'm sure there is a similar uh, provision in the rule book in Ireland. We're based on yeah. on the on the rules at home. So if there's if if the county board want to pursue it, it, it it's a hard one from though because I don't know where it sits in terms of it wasn't a game, wasn't a fixture, it wasn't a GA event. But can they bring them in on bringing in the, the game I suppose bringing it and the association into disrepute? So it'd be interesting space to watch having one intermediate and gone up senior I don't think Barry Ragged have been senior in a long long time they were a junior club Skiggles is phone there um, they were a junior club when I before I left seven years ago and now they're a senior club so they've gone on a huge journey and it's to see this being, t- being tainted by it is shocking mm-hmm. as well like you know I think especially if it's a parish in Barry Ragged it's a village 10 miles outside Kenny I'm sure there's a lot of disappointed people in, in Ballyraga, but there was a tweet there from the O'Donovan Rossa Club <laughs> in Belfast that went up and I think it, it, it summed it all up it says uh the bus for our senior challenge game versus Ballyragat will leave the club on Saturday morning <laughs> and return around Tuesday. <laughs> no minors allowed. So I think that's all you need to know that what, what went on in Ballyragat was... Yeah. I don't... I, like you said about the Donegal thing there, we've all been involved in county final wins at some stage of our careers. We've all had great nights after it. We've all had great days the following day. And often alcohol is involved in these things, which is, you know, it's unfortunately a staple of Irish society. But I don't think any of us have ever seen anything like that before. No. no. Unfortunately, now your your man wasn't wearing his jersey, so they mightn't be able to pin him down. <laughs> yeah, his face. He looks like a cornerback, though, to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it isn't. I, th- I think that that's the fact, really. Like there was there's other people involved in it, and it was yeah. it wasn't just wasn't just the lads on the rip and just doing something stupid. It was there was other people involved in it, which is yeah. unfortunate. And they'll they'll obviously come out and spill the beans in as well. So it's not going it's not going to look good for the club. And when you have DJ coming out against it as well, like yeah, DJ came out against it. Yeah. I was involved in some something similar myself back in two thousand and five. <laughs> something similar to that? No, no, not not <laughs> similar. There, there was no sexual actions, but um, in a, in in UL we we kind of had a big we we lost the Fitzgibbon Cup final to LIT and we went on a big mad tear, and we had the headline in the Sun as well UL hurlers glass act because we were yeah. after smashing up the 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 local bar and there was a few who's got in trouble, but um, it, it blows over. That's after not while, similar. Right? That's that is no. not similar to what we're talking about. But it is in the context of like that, you know, G-A-T. people are on, are on, are on the rip after a game, winner, loser, yeah. draw, whatever, and you know, fellas might throw off the short or whatever. But like but that. This, like the other, the other thing is like I suppose GA and the way the club championship goes is, yeah, you're, you're probably little, you're grand during the summer you're playing away matches, but then you get into the intense championship season, and the way the club championship is run, 
fellas mightn't have a drink for eight weeks yeah. it, it, the way it runs now you play your two last league games and you're playing a quarter final a semi-final and a final and then suddenly you've got the euphoria of winning the county championship mixed on top with the fact you haven't had a point for eight weeks yeah. mixed on top with the fact that you've drank more in one day than you'll ever do probably yeah. in the rest of your life and it's, 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 it yeah. it is the alcohol yeah. it's like you're I releasing a caged animal and we've all seen, been involved yeah. in it we've yeah, all been having that's the thing bananas we've, after we've all said that we've seen what's happened all over the world different county finals lads playing in America lads playing here lads playing at home we've never seen that no, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. that's our. Tr- yeah, that we have to make that point. That's never been seen, and that's why it's on Radio One and Sean O'Rourke. I yeah. got a text from home just telling me there half an hour ago. That's mm. why it's on the front of their son. That's why it's all over social media because this has never been seen before. And trust I hope we don't see it again because it just makes like the GA such a, a massive institution in Ireland. Winning a county final is your ultimate as your club, mm. as your parish. Yeah, that's true. And then just to taint it with like we all want to have the crack and have a great night and you can have that and go mad but mm. that's just beyond I think that's just a yeah they have a thing over here in Australia it's called Silly Sunday and it's where all the AFL teams after the season's over they all dress up and go mm. mad and stuff like that but I think it's Mad Monday isn't Mad, mad Monday, Monday yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. Um, depends if Silly Sunday could be a new one yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> player last I've game been involved in a Mad Monday before yeah, you, all, all the players like it's just in the season yeah, um, yeah, like yeah. win loser winner, whatever way the season went and you just go up to the club rooms and yeah. you dress up in stupid outfits and yeah, what, did, yeah. what did you dress as Shawnee? Um, it's a funny looking day. <laughs> can't remember, no, actually. I had some stupid suit on or something, yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Barry Regular, due to play the Leinster Championship anyway this weekend, aren't they? Yeah, and that's what, <laughs> <laughs> what, was, go- what, what was going around there. What, there. what was going around there, WhatsApp was God, what, what will they do if they win Leinster? So. <laughs> <laughs> After Vegas, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, look, and I was getting messages from all over the, the world today about it, what was going on by the right, because the way the Irish Independence article was. Scandal over lewd photo was the, yeah. the article in the mm-hmm. Irish Independent, but it's actually a lot more than that. Anyway, anyway, there's other bigger games on this weekend. Yeah, yeah. but, but anyway, uh, we'll have to go on from a great win for Immachilly, Shawnee and Cork. Yeah. Shawnee, um, a former Immachilly player. Yes, I um, I played with Immachilly for six or seven years. Um, just Actually, I played with him just in 2010 before I came over here. Um, they won their third county final, t- county championship. Um I I think Seamus Harney was the only guy I'd say I, I, that was playing when I was playing uh, six years ago, seven years ago. And they beat Black Rock in the final. Black Rock of um, the Did most... No county player at all, though, Black Rock had. Black Rock, no. No, they didn't. A few of uh, the Cashmans, though. You could have those famous Cock names. Yeah, and Dave, Black Rock... Dave, Dave Cashman trained me in Freshers in UCC. Did he? Yeah, and Black Rock would be a huge, huge stalwart um, club in Cork. Um they got to the final with a very, very hard work ethic and they were underdogs going into the final. In McKinley had all the stars, they had yeah. Paddy O'Sullivan, Seamus Hardy, uh, John Cronin, fellas like that who played Cork Lawton. Seniors. Lawton, yeah. Matter, yeah. So they were favourites going in and there was um there was talk going into the final that they'd leaked something like sixteen goals going into the final, but their attitude was like we're gonna leak goals, we're still gonna score goals. They so score more than you. They um they got three goals in the county final and it was enough to get over Black Rock. Black Rock just didn't have the have the um, the firepower that McKilly um, had. So it was good to see it. Actually, I was delighted to see it. And now Black Black Rock have to play the Munster Club semi final against yeah. um, the Piercy from Limerick, yeah, which is a funny one. Well, if you're Black Rock after losing the county final that, and go play Munster, and what if you, what if Black Rock were to progress? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? 
But it's always been the way in contact. Like, as you said, McKilly won two before, and it yeah. would have been. I think it was actually BlackRock that they'd beaten, probably in one of them as well, and they went on to be yeah. a monster. It's right too, though. I mean, it's, it's no, no, it is right, but yeah. I mean, for for BlackRock having yeah. lost, yeah. it's like, what do we do here? Do we give oh, a shot? Really pick like, themselves you know up again, I mean? like yeah, yeah, yeah. and not tough. representing as Cork champions, you're the runners up. Yeah, yeah. it's a weird yeah. space to be in. I kind of feel from a bit. No, but it was good to see. It was great to see. I mean, like as you know, like McKilly is a East Cork division, and it's made up of junior intermediate clubs. Yeah. So all those guys who, who don't get the opportunity to play uh, county senior hurling are able to represent their division and right. play yeah, against the best team. It's yeah. It's it's I mean, yeah. yeah. My club was intermediate, like so we wouldn't have had the opportunity to play senior senior hurling. So it was. It's a great way to get uh, exposure to to senior yeah, hurling, and it just brings up the standard. I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm w- we the closest we got was county semi-finals. We yeah. lost to Newtown, two thousand four I think when they were gone really well, yeah. 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 So, mm. but like you get to expose yourselves against those yeah, type yeah. of players like I mean you're marking the likes you of expose yourself you're talking about Barry Raggett or talking no. about <laughs> <laughs> get, to get on the county teams as well I well that's it yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, junior intermediate I think it's a great system I mean the problem is when they start winning and they're winning regularly you know club teams start to go against them because you know, you've yeah. got you got a better pick than us and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But sure, there was a big call to get UCC out just because they'd beat Middleton, basically. Yeah. And then UCC lost the next round, and then there's no, no talk about it. Yeah. And then UCC, yeah. UCC comes up every few years when they go on a bit of a run. No, they shouldn't be allowed to play, blah, yeah. blah, blah. What's your thoughts on that, Johnny, on UCC? Oh, I've no problem. I, I played with CIT when I was in CIT. My first yeah. county championship, I played with CIT. Yeah, um, I played with um, NUI Galway as well when in the Galway championship. Yeah. Right? But... Uh, they're like we had serious team. We like Colin McFadden was playing full forward. For <laughs> like, imagine the club full back. But it's and, and and like and the thing is, you might have a serious team, like, but it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. work out like yeah, that. I mean, UCC yeah. always have have serious teams. CIT have serious names. Like that, yeah. you, you look at the team sheet. You go into the into the into the match. Like yeah. you look at these names. We used to always play against um, UCC with McKinley, like we said, Belter against. Yeah. Because we're both, you know, kind of similar. Yeah, we're like, it's whoever, we just go for it. Like, there's no, you know, the way of a club team, you kind of have a system where you'd have tough lads at the back, you know, they yeah. keep it tight and try, and try and get over the line and freeze, whereas divisions and um, and colleges just yeah. go for it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, okay, well, that's, I suppose, the, the, the preview and the review of the club championship. I will say again, best luck to Dixborough. I think if you were talk, th- talking about though who who you think is going to win the All Ireland Club Championship, there, there's, for me there's probably about five core teams who can who can probably still win it. Um, I think Cool are the reigning champions. I think their toughest game in Leinster is probably going to come in the Dublin Championship final, which is also on this weekend against Kilmacud Crokes. Yeah. I think the winners of that will probably win Leinster. Um, St Martins have won Wexford. They're a new team. I think the Kilkenny team, whoever comes out, probably won't be up to it. Kilcormack have won awfully. So there's a really good chance for Kula probably to maybe put back-to-backs. And I think then in Munster, you probably have three teams from what I can see. You've got Ballygunner, who've just won Watford, are going to take on Turles Sarsfield this weekend in the Munster Club Championship. The winners of that are a serious All-Ireland contender. And the Piercig, who have never lost the Munster Club Championship match, are back in Munster again this year, and they're a serious contender. And then in Galway, you've got a championship where you've got for the last five teams don't even have a county player on them and probably Gart are the only team with any bit of experience actually there so probably looking at the All-Ireland Champ- Club Championship in Hurling you're probably looking at Kula and Leinster you're probably not looking at a Galway team unless Gart get a run and then in Munster you're probably looking at the Piercig, Ballygunner and Turles yeah. what are your thoughts on that Lean? 
Well, I've like I said, I flights booked for March for the Club Ireland finals. So I'm hoping to see my dicks for <laughs> in the Club Ireland. But look, yeah, look, I think the Kenny Club Championship, I suppose, has gone not gone back, but it's leveled out a lot in the last few years. That literally any senior team has a great chance of winning it, and we've seen that it hasn't been Ballyhale winning the last few years. We had a Lachlan's and we've had Clara. And we won, obviously, I think hopefully we'll have Dixborough on, on, on Sunday and it'll be the first time in 24 years that we've won it. So I think, yeah, the Leinster Championship is a funny one. Kula went well last year, but... It, it St. Martins have a good silver yeah, show there. You, you know, with this club championship this time of the year, mm. there's, there's, it, those games are very, very tough games. They're not like your normal club matches, you know. The gra- you're, you're, you're into November playing, you know what I mean? It's a different game again. But the so. forward, like I would look at all the club teams and I would say yeah. the forward division of Kula, you've got Colm Cronin, you've got... Uh, Mark Shute, you've got David Tracy, you've got his brother Sean Tracy, and you've got who's the other lad? That's Daryl Conn, the Kerry mm-hmm. lad that went up there. They have five inter county lads playing, and they're not small lads, they're not fast lads, but they're savagely athletic and savage hurlers. Yeah. I, I think they're, they're going to be a very, very hard forward division to stop. And they play this rotating system that under Matty Kenny, which is very hard to defend against. Mm-hmm. And actually, the other guy I'm missing is Conor Callahan. Conor Callahan didn't play for the club last year in the, in the county championship come on and scored 3-5 in the first uh, Leinster club game so they're, they're, they're going to be a serious outfit mm. to, to kind of beat uh, and I think just Dublin County Championships played in Parnell Park tight field it'll be a dirty game I can guarantee you that I think Kilmacud will be a team who, who will physically put it up to them and uh, it'll probably be their toughest test I, I feel in, in Leinster anyway yeah well we'll, wa- we'll see how it goes over the weekend and we'll, and we'll get to see the club championship games like I said I'm lucky to have TG Carter over here we also have access to air sports, so we're going to see those games between now and Christmas, so we'll keep a close eye on them. I think we're coming to time here. For, I just want to thank Dara very much for coming on with us. The guest panellist, you did a great job, Dara. How did you, how would you find your debut on G.A.? Uh, very rewarding, guys. Yeah. Uh, John hogs the microphone an awful lot. Like <laughs> listen to Sean, what he's saying. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like Liam's little jokes. Like, uh, I like Tom Murphy's comment about being a private citizen as well. Yeah. That's great <laughs> feedback, Dara. We'll get you on again. Um, Giggles is actually going to be going away for, is it 10 days, Giggles? You're off to America? 12 days. On a junket. Yeah. yeah, he's off on a junket. So IT conference. IT conference. <laughs> Man can't even turn on a computer. But anyway, um, he's away for 12 days. We will be recording an episode next week. Um, and also we'll be recording an episode in the build-up to the international rules. So Dara, look, we do have a vacancy on the... On we need John John Heenan's going on leave, so he might only under John's blessing, like you know. Oh yeah, Dara, no worries. Room more welcome, more welcome, Dara. We'll talk terms after this, Dara. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for for coming on with us tonight, and thanks for giving us the use of your kitchen table and the barbecue that you provided as well. No bother, and just uh, for online viewers on Twitter, hashtag giggles out. Is <laughs> <laughs> get on that one, right? That's <laughs> lot. Hopefully, yeah. On that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be trending. No, that'll right. be Liam Lennon. <laughs> 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 um, and thanks very much, Shawnee, and, and thanks, Giggles. And thanks once again to the Alma Road. Do you want to give us a, a shout out to the boys who we have with us here this evening, Dara? We have Colin Ford from Galway on the guitar. We have Tony McGuan from Meat on the guitar and vocals as well, and so is Colin Ford. Uh, Fergus Reen, the Listole man, from, uh, he's playing the guitar as well. Then we have Shane Coughlin from the Hinch County Clare on the tin whistle and the flute. And Carlos Brady on the banjo. Yeah. Hi, Carlos. Hi, Carlos. So to, to, fi- to sing us out and to finish off the show, uh, a rainy night in Soho. Take it away, lads. All right. Three, two, one. 
I've been loving you a long time Down all the years, down all the days And I've cried for all your troubles Smiled at your funny We watched our friends grow up together And we saw them as they fell Some of them fell into heaven And some of them fell into hell I took shelter from a shower And I stepped into your arms On a rainy night in Soho The wind was whistling all its charm I sang you all my sorrows You told me all your joys Whatever happened to that old song To all those little Sometimes I wake up in the morning The ginger lady by my bed Covered in a cloak of silence I hear you talking in my head I'm not singing of the future Not dreaming of the past I'm not talking of the first time Never think Now this song is nearly over 
night I hold before me You're the measure of my dreams The measure of my dreams